We're excited that you are here in the house of God today, and I'm excited to get back into the Word. Um, we've been in this series, God's Leading Ladies, and the first week we talked about Sarah, and we talked about how uh, God empowers the woman so much that sometimes he empowers you to carry something that you didn't plant. And, and what courage and strength it takes to do that. And then the second week, we talked about Ruth and how uh, she teaches us the importance of having staying power. Um, sometimes when it's easier to run, God will tell you you need to stay and see the thing through to the end. And so last week, we talked about Hannah and how uh, the true spirit of prayer is not often built to, or, 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 or birthed out of faith, but it's actually birthed out of pain and then followed through uh, through faith, and then we see God move on her behalf. And then this week, I want to talk about um, a story that actually ends, uh, it's actually described in all of the Gospels. And in most of the Gospels, this woman is not even named. It's only, she's only named in, in, in one place by process of elimination. And so the thought that I want to talk to you today about is called breaking the box. Breaking the box. And, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we, we live in a box. And, I, and what I mean by that is we live in an attitude and a spirit of limitation when we serve a limitless God. We serve a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask and think or imagine. Yet we live as if he's limited and that as if there's things that he can't do when we have scripture that says that there's nothing that's too hard for him. But somehow we think that when we bring certain things to him, that they're actually too difficult for him to work through and work out. And he's saying, look, I don't have emergencies in heaven. You may have them on earth, but I don't have emergencies. Before you get to the problem, I already solve it. Before you get to the trouble, I've already got a solution. How many of you know that's the God we serve? And so what I want to do today in this message on breaking the box is, as, as I was thinking about this particular woman, the significance of the story is the fact that Jesus says, um, and I'll touch on this again, but he says that wherever the gospel is preached, that this story of what this woman does in Scripture is to be told every time the gospel is preached. Now, you're going to listen to this and say, well, I don't hear this every time the gospel is preached. Yet Jesus says, wherever the gospel is preached, this story will be told as a memorial to this woman. And so it began to arrest my attention because I said, well, what did she do that got Jesus' attention so much that he said, look, whenever you talk about me, talk about this. And so we're going to get into that today, but I want to drop this thought in you. When you want a supernatural environment in your life, in your home, in your church, it does not come without significant sacrifice. Somebody say amen. We live in a society that we, we want everything, but we don't want to give up what God says to give up. And what he calls us to give up at the end of the day is everything. See, but we have so, so boxed in the gospel that we don't even preach it any, anymore the way Jesus actually intended it. We have limited it to raise your hand at the end of the service and you are a believer when we never find that anywhere in Scripture. Now, we do that because we need to know who's gotten saved and who's, gotten, who's made a decision to follow Jesus. But the essence of the gospel was, with Jesus was, I want you to leave everything and follow me. And so he calls us still today to the same thing, no matter what we're doing, that the, the essence of the gospel is I'm supposed to take my all and follow him. 
And we also wonder why, God, why am I not seeing the blessings of, uh, that, that you promise in my life? Why am I not seeing certain things happen? And sometimes we have to do the hard thing like a doctor would do, and we have to evaluate what's going on in our own life and ask, have I really turned over everything to Jesus? The reality is, is that everyone has a place called there. And I call that place called there is that place that you don't want God to see, that you don't want have it to him to have complete control over. But when we give him everything, there's not anything that he won't do for us. So we're talking about breaking the box today. And what you'll find is, is as you go through life, you'll run into three kinds of people. You'll run into complainers, you'll run into consumers, and you'll run into contributors. Whether you're on your job, you're in your house, whether you're in, 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 in a group of people, you will always run into these three, three types of people. And the reality is, is that the one that we need to be and should be is probably the least in number, and that's number three contributors. Because it's easier, watch this, how many of you find yourself that it's easier to complain? It's quiet in here, y'all don't ever complain? Okay, I know the microphone's working. Anyway, it is easier when you're faced with struggles and tests and different things in your life, that first response to complain and murmur. But another thing is, is, is easily deceptive, too, and that it's also easy to be a consumer because our entire society is, it's for me. This is for me. What can I get out of it? And that makes us consumers when God intended us and planted us in every situation in our life to do one thing, and that's be contributors. He didn't put gifts and talents and resources in our hands to say, my name is Jimmy and I'll take all you give me. Yet our stores, our commercials, our television things, and everything on the internet, and our social media says, this is about me. I was looking at something and I said, man, does everything really have to be a Facebook moment? There's some, there's something, now, now, now don't get me wrong, there's some things, they're just cute. I took some pictures, of, I took Joy out for a little daddy-daughter date yesterday, and she's sticking her hands in the, the water and doing things that three-year-olds do, and I'm just sitting there like, you my child and you doing this? But my point is this, and I'm like, man, this would be really cute to post. It'd probably get 100, 200 likes. <laughs> but then I stopped, I said, I'm not doing this. Because I, this was a moment I was actually enjoying, and just because I was enjoying it doesn't mean that everybody needs to see it. Everything is not about whether I, I, you know, I get the clap, and that was so good, and that was so beautiful, and that's so cute. Everything's not about that. Sometimes we need to take what God is doing in us and begin to think outward. And that is, I know it's not a popular gospel. I may get one hand clap or two amens during this message. But the true essence of the gospel is, is because God has done this for us. My grandmother used to say this all the time. She'd wake up in the morning and she'd say, what shall I render to God for all that he's done for me? And, and the thing is, is we're like, well, he's not done everything I wanted yet. You never got a promise that he was going to do everything you wanted. Your promise was that he would do what he promised, that he would do what he said he would do. And let me tell you something. From Genesis to Revelation, you have so many promises, you don't need to worry about your wants. Because they'll be somewhere in those promises. <laughs> I'm supposed to. All right, Sean, I'll stay on the notes, brother. I'm sorry. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, it says, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him, talking about Jesus, by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, 
as he sat at meat, there came a woman. She's not named in this text, but I'm going to tell you who she is. There came a woman, and having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and she broke or break the box. Think about that phrase. It's going to be important. She broke the box and poured it on his head. Precious is an interesting word. That word means great value. It means high price. It means cherished. It means highly esteemed. And so this woman took something that was precious and she poured it on Jesus. How many of you have things that are precious to you? They're things. They may not be material things. They may be other things, but they're important to you. They're of high value to you. You esteem them. They're precious. She took something that was precious, and she poured it out on Jesus. What's the principle that we actually learn from that? What God gives us is precious, but what we do with it makes it powerful. He gives us each talents, gifts, resources, and, and, and this woman is teaching us, I have something precious. Every single one of you sitting here, whether you realize it or not, has something precious that God wants to use and he wants to move through you. But your willingness in your surrender and your obedience to actually let him use what you have is what makes it powerful. If you don't, if you don't use it, it's just dormant. And the thing is, is I, 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 I have to apologize on behalf of of us preachers who have not said there's more to following Jesus than just getting what you want. There is more to following Jesus than, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to sit here, and my relationship is going to be better. I'm going to come, and and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to lift my hands, and somehow I'm going to go home, and I'm not going to have any problems anymore. That is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross for you and me, and because he did that, and I don't have to pay the penalty and the cost for my sin, that there's nothing that I'll withhold from him that I'm going to surrender and say, God, I'll worship you wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you want from me, I'll give. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That is the gospel. So what gives us, what he gives us is precious. So stop saying I don't have anything. Stop saying I'm not good for anything. Stop saying I never, nothing will ever come from me. You have something that's precious and you're sitting on it. Prophetic message today. You don't believe in that. I'm sorry. I can't help you. But, but the reality is, is that we have things that we are holding back from God. And I've been saying, God, why did you say that this gospel had to be preached everywhere? Why, why did this story have to be preached everywhere? Because when she, when she broke the box, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but when she broke the box, she was in essence saying, God, it's all yours, and I'm not going to do anything to try and take it back. She was cutting off her own opportunity to turn around. Think about that for a minute, because some of us have too many options to follow Jesus. You'll follow him, but you got a backup plan. You'll obey him, but you have a, a, you know, just in case he doesn't come through. Watch what happens, though. She broke that box, poured it on Jesus. Verse 4, and there were some that had indignation within themselves. And they said, why was this waste of the ointment made? You need to understand something. I'm not going to go to the next principle, but, but you need to understand about who, who was actually in the room when this was happening. If you think that it was just a bunch of people in the room, 
where you say, okay, there's a bunch of you know, people in the room and they don't understand everything. But Jesus was actually in the room with his disciples. When you compare this story as it's told in Matthew and Luke and, and John, he's actually in the room with his disciples and a Pharisee as well. And so his own disciples, watch this, his own disciples who are following him, who watched him work miracles and signs and wonders, they've seen him open blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears, raise the dead. They've seen all of this, and they're asking this woman, why did you waste this on Jesus? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've been walking with Jesus, you've seen all this, you've been in this closer proximity to him, and you're asking her who won't, who, who's willing to do what you have never done, why was this wasted on Jesus? Anybody in this church today? There's a few people in here. There will always be critical voices when God brings you to a place of sacrifice. There'll always be someone telling you why you shouldn't have done it that way. When God brings you, understand this, I don't know who I'm talking to today. When God brings you to a place of true obedience, I guarantee you there will be a voice that shows up and says, you shouldn't do that. You know how it sounds? That's not wise. But the God we serve in Scripture says that I will use the foolish things to confound or confuse the wise. He also tells us that worldly wisdom in comparison to his wisdom that there isn't even a comparison. So sometimes what God is directing you to do does not make any sense with what you've been writing down. There is a split second, I was sharing this, when God calls you or asks you to do something, if you don't obey him right away, you will start to negotiate. And when you start to negotiate, those voices will show up in your life to help you criticize what God has already told you to do. But here's the good news. Sacrifice is never wasted on Jesus. It's never wasted on Jesus. Now, here's where we live in our society today. We live in a society where we will do safe obedience. We will do comfortable obedience. We'll do it as long as it lines up with my plan. But sometimes God will nudge you and say, I need you to do this. And you're like, why? He said, because my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. Right? So he says that to us. He says, there's some things, my brother and my sister, that I'm going to ask you to do, and they don't line up with your schedule or your plan. But if you want to get where I'm taking you, I need you to sacrifice here right now. Because we live in a society, I'll do it when. You said that before. I'll obey you when. I'll do it when. But when God, God, obedience is always in the present tense. Sometimes what we lack is not sincerity, but honor. This is what this woman understands that his own disciples don't understand. I'm in the presence of the Son of God, and I'm going to take everything that I have and honor him with it. When is the last time you did something extravagant for Jesus? 
introspection where we look inside and say, I, I have a relationship with God. I love you. Okay, you love him. When's the last time that something extravagant, you did it for him, and it filled the room so that nobody could ignore it. So this wasn't just the fact that she broke this and poured it on Jesus. The smell and the fragrance of her sacrifice filled the room. So even it, it, the reason the disciples didn't like it was because it exposed them. That's why they had a problem with it. They had a problem, just like when people have a problem with certain things being preached, they don't like it, not because it's not right, because the, the word exposes them. And once the word exposes me, I got to do something with it. See, God doesn't expose it for, for, for condemnation. He says, no, the word is coming to you and it's convicting you because I want you to do something with it. But you know what we do? Pastor, preacher, great message. And let me tell you what most pastors think when you say that. At first, it sounds really good, but the greatest gift you can ever give to a pastor is application. Take the word. Take what God is doing. See, this is what this woman did. She said, you know what? Following Jesus is going to cost me everything, so I'm going to take what I have. I'm going to break the box, just like some of us need to break the box today. And whatever I have, I'm just putting it on Jesus. Because I know when I put it on Jesus, I can't go wrong. I know when I put it on, when I put it on Jesus, I have to depend on him. Not, not, not just that I get to depend on him, but there's a place that he'll call you in obedience where you have to depend on him. It's called placing a demand on his word. Y'all with me? Y'all still happy today? Okay, somebody is. If not, at least act like you are. Anyway. So we don't lack sincerity. The disciples were sincere. They just didn't honor the one that they said they were following. Here's what they say. For it might have been sold. Now, they're still talking about a sacrifice that they didn't even make. You ever have somebody criticize you and they won't do anything? But you, wait a minute. You're talking about what I'm doing, but, but, but where's your oil? Where is, where is your precious ointment? Now, you, you, you're upset with the fact that I put this on Jesus, but... but, but you didn't put in on this. <laughs> Y'all will get that later. Uh, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. Doesn't that sound real nice? These disciples, they're they, they so sweet. They care about the poor. It might have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. And they murmured against her. So now they're ganging up. None of them doing anything, but they're ganging up on this this woman who we find later, I'll tell you now, is actually um, was the woman called Mary Magdalene. That's who it was. And what Jesus says about her is whom much has been forgiven appreciates it much. So some of the people we judge that God has forgiven actually get it better than the people that have been walking with him for years. These people you used to, I used to ask God, I said, God, why, why does it seem like those who just get to know you understand it and those who've been walking with you for years don't get it? And he said something that I've said in this church before, because you, some of these people have gotten too familiar with me. They've gotten used to me. But this woman realized that there's something that I couldn't get myself. There's something. There's a level in God that I couldn't get by myself unless 
Jesus forgave me and washed me. So now I have a chance. Watch this. All it, for some of us who, who, who think that we're doing God a favor when we come in his house. She says, I get to be in his presence. The presence of the man who forgave me and washed me. Been sleeping around my whole adult life and feel dirty inside, but he didn't criticize me. He didn't judge me. He just washed me and forgave me. So I get to sit in his presence. What can I, what can I do to show my appreciation for him? I'm going to take all, all I have. And I'm going to make sure none of it's wasted, so I'm going to break this box. I'm not sitting on anything that I can offer to him. People often choose to do more complaining than contributing. Here's what I want you to understand, because this is why many people get talked out of obedience. I'm sorry I'm not screaming today, but I want you to get the point of this. I think it's more important than all this sensationalism. We need to get the point. Just because a position or an argument is right, I think we need to move that slide, just because a position or an argument is right, is rational doesn't mean it's right. And this is where we get talked out of. This is what happened in the garden. God gave Adam and Eve specific directions. The enemy came along and he presented a rational argument <laughs> that talked them out of what God had for them. Many of you, even as you're listening right now, this is hitting you exactly where it needs to. And God is challenging you to be obedient to him. And your next level is determined on what you do now. Just going to be honest with you. You can sit and continue to disobey God. <laughs> you can continue to watch. You can continue to say, God, I know what you've done for me, but I'm, I'm good. Or you can say, Lord, you know what? All of me is yours. All that I am, all that I have is yours. The only way you'll really do that is if you've actually really had an encounter with Jesus. It can't be manufactured. It can't be worked up. But if you have really met Jesus, you cannot stay neutral. One of two things that if you really come in contact with Jesus, either you give him all or you walk away. And let me tell you, Jesus let some people walk away. The Bible says of, of, of him having a meeting with a man called the rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, you know what to do. Keep the commandments. Do this, do that. And he said, okay, Jesus, I've done it all. But remember I told you everybody has a place called there. Jesus found his there. He said, okay. He said, I want you to sell everything you have. Give it away and come follow me. And the Bible says that Jesus loved him, but he let him go. There's a side message for some of y'all. You need to love him and let him go. Some complain, but the godly contribute. What I found, and you'll find this in your own life as you, 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 
meet with people and talk with people and interact with people. The people who do the most complaining in your life do the least. I, I, can, I can almost, you can laugh, it's okay. I can almost prove it scientifically. <laughs> if you run into people who do a lot of this, usually it's people who do a little of everything else. But here's what, here's what we have. So the disciples are complaining. They're saying, why, why did you waste this on Jesus? Why did you waste it on him? And Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you troubling her? She hath wrought a what? Good work on me. So what she did was good. What she did, she had revelation that you guys didn't have, and you've been walking close to me, living, doing life with me, and you don't get it, but this woman got it. God will always publicly testify to our sacrifices. So what you do privately, God will tell on you publicly in a good way. See, we don't have to go blasting, this is what I did and this is what I'm going to do. You know what? Just obey God and watch. All of a sudden, he starts doing stuff for you and people are like, what? what? I remember when they were in this shape. I remember when they were in that shape. And all of a sudden, you're walking in favor and blessing people jealous of you. Rather than ask you, how did you get there? <laughs> you know how we do that? Rather than say, hey, God seemed to be blessing you. What, what did you do? Um, I just obeyed. Rather than doing that, you know what they do? They'll talk about you. I'm just, it's just real talk today. I don't, you know, we, I, I was telling somebody, I don't want a church that comes in and wears a mask every Sunday. But I want us to be able to be real so we can move forward in the things of God. This woman teaches us so much. What else does he say? For you have the poor with you always. And whenever, whensoever you will, you can do good for them. So you could have done good all this time. So don't bring this up now is what he's saying. But me, you don't have always. She had done what she could. She did what she could. So I want you to pause for a minute before we really get to the end of this. I want you to pause for a minute, and I just want to ask you in every area of your life, in relationship to God, have you done what you could? Before we even talk about going above and beyond and actually saying, have you even done what you could? If you have, you can keep trusting God to move you forward in your life. But if you, you were to say, honestly, you know what, Jesus, I, I've said I love you, but I, you know, honestly, I've, just, I've, I've not done what I could. I've done what I wanted. But doing what you can will move you forward. How many of you want to go forward? Doing what you can in relation to God, you can make progress in your relationship with him. But doing what you want will keep you, say, stuck. Say, stuck. It will keep you stuck. God, why am I stuck? Why can't I get further? I remember one time he, he whispered this to me. He said, your breakthrough is as close as the last thing I told you to do that you haven't done yet. I was like, okay, God. So sometimes we got to go back to that one place. And he just gave you instruction, do this. And say, I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be prideful. I'm going to humble myself and obey you. God will always honor us doing, honor us for doing what we can do. 
Here's where we go. Verily I say unto you, wherever soever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial for her. What's the principle I want to leave you with? And I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you as we pray, but I want to leave you with this principle. We cannot separate the gospel from extravagant sacrifice. Can't do it. Because no matter what you ever do for God, you will not do more than the cross. Whatever you do for God, you won't do more than him having nails hammered in his hands for you. You you, you'll never be able to do more than him having his face slapped and insulted and spit on for you. You know, so, so when we think about Jesus, when we think about what he's done for us, when we think about the price that he's paid, we can't look at our own life and say, God, I'm just going to continue to do what I want to do and hope for the best. Because a real encounter with the cross, only thing you can do is surrender and say, Lord, all, all of me belongs to you. Why can you say that? Because a true sacrifice will always outlive us. You never do anything for God that's only good for your generation. Do you realize, especially if you have children, that if you obey God now, he'll bless your children. He'll bless your grandchildren. We talk a lot about being, these, these things being generational curses, but we need to start talking about some generational blessings. There's some things that are, uh, cl close your eyes just for a minute, because I want you to reflect on this, and I'm going to challenge you boldly today. But as your eyes are closed and you're reflecting, this is just you and God time. If I say, usually I would at this point do if you've not been saved, but I want to talk to the believers today. Those who call themselves Christians and those who say they're following Jesus. I want you to ask yourself a serious question. One, when's the last time that I actually made a sacrifice for Jesus. And before you answer that question in your heart, I'm not talking about just doing what you should have done. Because some of us need to just get to that point. <laughs> When's the last time you took inventory of your life and say, God, am I being obedient to you in every area of my life? Because here's the reality. The easiest place to hide is church. But you can't hide from what he's speaking to your heart. So I want you to take a minute before we pray. And I want you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? For some of you, it's who, God, who do you want me to forgive? 
I'll just be direct. For some of you, there's direct willful sin in your life right now. Now, I don't say that as condemnation. I say it as God. You have to ask yourself, God, what do you want me to do with this? Is it time for me to walk away? And I guarantee you the answer is yes. It's time for you to walk out of that bondage, walk out of that sin. I mean, how many times can you log on to the same website before they find out? There's some things that don't have to be exposed. Who am I talking to today? There's some things that God has given you mercy and said, okay, fix this, fix this, fix this. And I'll forgive you. And we'll move on. Some of you, 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 let's be real, you haven't been obedient in the area of your giving and your tithing, and you're wondering why your finances are messed up and jacked up. Ask God, what does he want you to do? Don't, don't ask me. I'm not going to, you know, but ask God, what do you want me to do with this? Is it time for me to begin being obedient in this area, tithing? And when, when, how long do you want to hold back the promise of an open heaven in your life, of your fruit coming at the right time, of him rebuking the devourer for your sake, everything that's eating up your, your, your life and your finances? And, and you mean to tell me you're going to let a dime stop, that, stop you from having what God has for you? just being a, a real pastor to you today. For some of you, God has said, this time you, you've been doing that. You've been, you've been obeying me. You, you've got the routine down, but I've challenged you to do more, and you won't do it. And his word to you today, and I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for this. There's some people who want to leave, maybe want to leave the church for me saying this, but God never speaks to you about a seed without having a harvest in mind. So he's thinking about your end. He's thinking about your best. Anything he commands you to do is, is for you. For some of you, it's there's some, some family relationships that need to be fixed. For some of you, he just needs to help you with your attitude. For some of us, it's rebellion, pride. Some of us haven't forgiven ourselves. <laughs> and this is your day for freedom. I'm trying to move from this, but I just feel the Spirit of God in this place moving on people right now. And if it's just one person, we give the world six days. We can give God a few minutes. Some of you need to release yourself from the shame and the guilt of your past. It keeps you hiding. Hiding in plain sight. Your plan for your life is not ever going to be better than God's. If God says, let them go, <laughs> let them go. If God says, keep them, keep them. Both of those things would be challenging. That's why he's talking to you and speaking to you to do them. So if you're here, now, giving you some things to ponder and think about. But if you're here now and you'd be honest and say, Pastor, in some of what you were saying, in some of that, in some of that, that was, it was me. I'll be honest with you. There's, there's areas of my life that I've been disobedient to God. The straightforward, straightforward altar call today. 
I'm not dressing it up. You, you, it, it is what it is. You, you're here and you say, I have been disobedient to God, but I can't afford another day to not have the blessing of God on my life. If that's you, get your hand up quickly. This is about freedom. See, some of us will lose our freedom trying to protect our reputation. I'm going to keep them up. Hi. Amen. Appreciate your honesty. I'm going to pray for you today. You can put them down. I just want to make sure. Next thing I want to make sure we cover in this prayer. I told you every Sunday in this church we will pray for the sick till they get healed. You're here and you have any type of sickness, physical, emotional, whatever, relational, whatever. Put your hand up fast. There's no pride. You say, well, God, I raise my hand every week. We'll keep raising it till you see the healing. That's the enemy that will tell you, you know, don't don't do it. What's the use? What's what's the, the point? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every single person that came to Jesus asking for healing got it. So I will not be a pastor that doesn't pray for it every single week till we see it. And when you don't believe it, I'm going to believe it with you. And I'm going to believe it for you. All right, last, last part of this, last two parts. One, you're here and you've not ever made a decision to follow Jesus or you have made a decision, but somehow you got off the course, got off the track, hand up, just so we know. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Pray for you. And then the last thing is you just, you, 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 when I said that part in the message that I, you get stuck, you just feel like you're stuck in this place in life where you're stuck and you're not moving forward. You're not moving backward, but you're not, you're not moving forward. You're not experiencing all that God has for you. Just raise your hand quickly. Amen. See, there's something about, the reason I ask you to do that, I don't know why other churches do, but when I ask you to do it, I ask you to do it because there's a humility in saying, God, that's me, and I need you. Because let me tell you, church, sometimes my prayer is not very deep. It's, God, help me, please because I'm in a place I don't even know what to ask you for, God. I just need your help. You ever felt that? You ever been there? I I just need your help. I don't know what this is that I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through, but I need your help. The key is this. When you ask God for help, he will always give you an instruction, but you got to follow it. Follow that instruction right to freedom. Before we pray, I want you to know, because I meant to say this before, in June, I'm going to be preaching a series called The Honor Code. It's all about how to walk in the favor and blessing of God upon your life. And there's going to be some good teaching about a lot of different things in that. But don't wait for that to be obedient to God. (laughs) You can obey him right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, everyone who's raised their hand in this place today, we come to you as an act of surrender. We say that our hands lifted as an act of surrender. God, I'm saying to you, I'm reaching out to you. I can't do these things in my life. I can't fix these things. But the one thing I can do that maybe I haven't done is obey you. And so, God, if I failed you, I repent. If we failed you, we repent. See, even you failing God is not a surprise to him. You you didn't disappoint God. He knew you were going to mess up. But what he wants you to do is run back home. That's the invitation for you, Dad. Daddy's saying to you, it's time for you to come back home. He says, yes, I want to breathe 
I want to breathe on your life. I want to breathe on your relationship. I want to breathe on your finances. But you got to take a step. You got to faithfully obey me. And I'll do it. I want to heal your unforgiveness. You just have to open it up to me. I know you can't do it by yourself. I knew that. That's why I asked you to do it. Because you'd have to come back to me for help to do it. Father, those now who are physically sick in this place, your word says that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you and by your stripes. Not we, we, we are healed. We are healed, presently healed because you died for our sins. You took our infirmities on you, so if you're going to take them, we don't have to keep them. So, God, we, we declare victory. Command the spirit of infirmity to leave the lives, the minds, the bodies, and the hearts of your people today. And I declare that those who've chosen to obey, whatever you've spoken to them today, that you'd send multiplication and favor in their lives like never before. Stamp your word today. For some of them, God, this is today. They, they need to obey you today, not tomorrow, today. And when they do that, you'll show them favor. You'll show them blessing. Those wars of the mind, we speak peace. We speak peace in the midst of the storm. Those feelings of inadequacy, we speak that your people are totally equipped to do everything that you called, created, and commanded them to do. Some, some, somebody is really battling in this place. We're going to wrap this up, but you're really battling. You have a tug of war going on in your heart right now. When we're done or whenever you're comfortable, I want you to find one of these prayer team members and let them agree with you in prayer. Sometimes you need to make contact with somebody and just have them agree with you. You don't have to tell them all your business. Just say, I want you to pray with me over this, and they'll be happy to do it. And I just believe God will move on your life. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works in us. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. Now, in that beautiful part, forever. In Jesus' name. Let everyone just praise God in this place today. Come on and give him a praise like you know that the enemy is defeated and that God is victorious. We can celebrate. Don't stop. We can The reason you're celebrating is because obedience is the path to victory. If you receive that, you have victory. Come on and give him praise in this place. He deserves, even when we don't feel like it, sometimes it's called the sacrifice of praise. Praise is comely for the upright. The Bible says that when we praise him, that the earth will yield its increase. All of those things that have been stuck, when you offer God praise, putting a down payment on your release and your breakthrough. Let me pray blessing on your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these, your people, who have come, 
who've listened to your word, who've made a decision to obey. I pray favor, safety, blessing upon their week. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week.